sorrows like sea billows roll. Welcome to Reclaiming Reality. There's been a number of paradigm shifts that I've had over the course of the last few months in the midst of this COVID crisis. And I'd like to share a few with you, beginning with this one. A buddy and I were supposed to be giving a talk on Daniel 3 the other week. And we ended up walking through the American Gospel documentary again and really talking about some of the aspects of our faith that we haven't really brought into light. I realized while we were doing this reflection something incredible about Daniel 3. And I say, to say that, we're going to hop right into the scripture and see what it says. We'll talk about it here in a second. So, <clears throat> Daniel chapter 3, we're going to start at verse 16. Shadrach... Meshach and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, will be able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and we will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. And the expression on his face had changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times more than it usually be heated. And he ordered that some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men who were bound in their cloaks and their tunics and their hats and their garments were thrown into the burning fiery furnace. Because the king's order, excuse me, order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the fiery furnace. To give you a little bit of backstory for those of us who don't know the story super well, Nebuchadnezzar had decided that he was just going to make a furnace. Or no, scratch that. Well, he did make a furnace but he was going to make a statue in his honor. And when the trumpets were to sound and the music was to play, all of the people were to bow down to this image. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, being from Hebrew descent, decided, nah, that's just not what we're going to do today. We're not going to bow down to your image or whatnot. It's not the God we serve. So there were a few people who saw this and were like, yo, these three over here are not throwing down their faces to the ground when they hear the music playing. We need to punish them. So Nebuchadnezzar, being his egotistical self, was said, saying, Yep, we're not going to burn them. Not only are we going to burn them, we're going to burn them seven times hotter than they've ever been burnt before. How about that? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were like, Now, nah, we're going to stand our ground. What you got to say? So he said, all right. And he made this fire, 
threw, get, took his people, bound them up, threw them in the fire, and his people caught on fire. Now we're going to skip over to chapter 3, verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent an angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than to serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be laid in ruins, for there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Now there's a lot to be said there, right? Not only the kind of fickle nature of Nebuchadnezzar, um, because on one hand he's like, I'm God. And then they get thrown into the fire. Big deal. And then he says, he is God. This God who saved them is the real God, and you need to follow him instead. Which is a valid point. Very valid point. <clears throat> now his nature doesn't change all that much. Because he's still, you know, if you don't do this, we're going to rip you limb from limb and destroy your house. But the nature of this, and for the first time I saw this, is kind of interesting, if you will. Think of it not like the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going through a trial and God delivering them out of the trial and whatnot. As you probably have been told in Sunday school and church and whatnot. Think of it as the testimony of Nebuchadnezzar. Because you think about it, nowhere throughout pretty much the duration of the Bible does God say, I hate these people. They said there are people who are sinful, people who have whose hearts are far from me. Uh, but with the exception of like the Pentateuch, there's not a lot in there where God is saying, you know, I, I hate the people of Babylon. He doesn't say that. He never says he hates Nebuchadnezzar. He just uses Nebuchadnezzar to put his people in a crappy situation, albeit, um, which is another talk for another day, um, but then shows himself wonderful through this terrible situation so that Nebuchadnezzar's heart has been changed. And that kind of, it's a paradigm shift. From the traditional, you know, hey, you go through hard times, but God brings you through them. No, every struggle that you're going through, the struggles that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are going through are not for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You think about it, they gain nothing but a story and a testimony of how God saved them. But Nebuchadnezzar was a heart that had far from God, consumed by his own destructive tendencies and egotism who has now seen the grace, the love, and the power of God. His soul is the one that was saved. He is the one who is really the beneficiary of the story. And that that's completely against many years of thought and teaching. And the thing that I take away from that is it's not about you. By that, I mean me and us. Have you ever considered the worst of times, the things that you're going through that are the hardest, may not even be 
for you. It's maybe so someone who knows you, someone who's near to you, can see you struggle and can see that you were beyond the shadow of, you know, your own rescue and that God reached in and saved you, that he looked upon you with love and favor and delivered you so that they may believe, that their hearts may be changed. It gets really odd really fast because we are often taught this, and I'll I'll say this, people are going to be mad about it, but this theology of us versus them, where it's the evangelical church against the falling away of, you know, the society, or it is the cisgendered, absolutely righteous, heteronormative Christians versus the LGBT community, or whether or not it's the pro-life person versus the pro-choice person. And yes, this is the time I get political. It's not about you. It's not about God's people versus the world. Because God loved the Jews and the Gentiles. And he made the gospel in a way that is receivable for everybody. So why is it that we take our time and make an effort of making an enemy of the other? Do you think God loved any of those people any less? And that might be hard to say, and that would be really hard to hear. I'm even kind of convicted saying it because I know I make others. God doesn't love anybody less. And yes, even though your heart, anyone's heart, can be downed, completely washed over in sin, Nebuchadnezzar making a statue to himself in a sinless culture where they taught divination and evil as part of their curriculum, their indoctrination, sees God. His heart is changed. Does God love Nebuchadnezzar too? Did God love the woman by the well by which Jesus spoke? Did he love the people of Nineveh to whom he sent Jonah? Did he love, dare I say it, the Egyptians when his people were locked in there? Does he love us? Even now. When our hearts are far from him, myself included. Even though there are people who are not like us, who don't think the same way we do, who don't hold the same beliefs and values that we do, there is a God who loves them still. And by being a Christian, and by accepting the fact that God loves scandalously, just as he loved Barabbas when he traded Barabbas' life for Christ. He loved and he loves. His character is immutable. It has not changed. He still loves us. How radical is that? Now, with all of that being said, this is a hard time for our country. Todos los. Right, We are approaching the harsh weather season of the year. Hurricanes are about to get kicked off after having a national heat wave, which is fantastic, which means they're going to be worse. Like California is already halfway on fire. 
the economy's down because of coronavirus. We're all locked in our homes. It's a mental health crisis. Um, not only a health crisis, right? Because that's bad enough where our health system is being pushed to its end and has been operating at an insane capacity for the last six months. People are still tense about the George Floyd incident and the racial tensions that have been in our country for so long. <laughs> and we have an election this year, right? And I, I try to be as apolitical as possible. I think you all are crazy. Everybody. And it's hard. I'm sorry. I can't even begin to fathom what it's like to be a father who knows that he can't put food on the table anymore. After working so hard for so long, I couldn't imagine what it's like for the mothers and daughters who are going around doing their very best to make ends meet. Knowing that they may have been on you know, their last hope before this crisis started. I couldn't imagine what it's like, you know, to be someone who is old or decrepit. Let me not say decrepit. Let me say old or alone and isolated. And going through the times right now where you're literally seeing so much of what you just held to be true to be ripped away. And knowing that there's really not a lot you can do about it. I'm sorry. I'm not going to offer you the hope of, you know, if you give us so much money, something will happen. Or, you know, maybe God's just trying to pull you through. Hey, we're in the fire right now. We are. The church is in the fire, even though the church is super divisive and going all about its ways, running its agenda. The people of God are going through the fire right now. Our country is going through the fire right now. And maybe, maybe that you have to go through the fire for a Nebuchadnezzar. Maybe you're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you know, Christ may just be with you and just chill with you in the fire, and that's awesome. And he may not... <laughs> he, may, he may let you just burn. I'm not going to lie to you. But it's not always about you. And the ability to continue on, to stay strong, to look at this adversity square in the face... And say, I will not bow. That says more about you than anything. And maybe that your ability to just say that, to say I will stand by what I believe, though I do not have the community that I had because I'm not in church, or I can't see my friends, or I'm distressed and anxious and I can't shake it. And that's the beauty of the gospel. That your suffering is not worthless. We do not go through this existential crisis of suck until we die. Life sucks, don't get me wrong. It's hard. There's hard moments. It's also beautiful moments. But they're beautiful moments. They're also hard moments. A lot of hard moments. But you know that if God loves you, if God says who he says he is, exclusively in the Bible, the loving God who is willing to die for you, who is willing to give everything for you. 
That means that when you are your worst day, when you're struggling through your second round, second or third round of cancer, when you don't have food to put on the table, when your wife and kids are off living at a shelter and you're roaming around homeless, it is not for nothing. You were loved by God. He saw us and was willing to step into our suffering with us. How incredible is that? How incredible that he was willing to suffer with us. This has been Reclaiming Reality. It's your boy Charles. This is kind of a sad second somber video, but this is going to be the end of the series. We'll change up the topic for next time. I'm glad to have had you. Keep your head up, please. Be encouraged. This, none of this, is a waste. We'll catch you next time.